Ladies and gentlemen, it's your buddy Gavin, filibuster freestyle. This is not an episode of Wine Wall and Dragons. This is not a Game of Thrones podcast, which for those of you who listen to the filibuster freestyle, you'd know that one, we are in the thick of Game of Thrones season, but two, if you don't like Game of Thrones or you live under a rock somewhere and only like our shows that aren't about Game of Thrones, well, we're coming at you with an emergency Wednesday night, May 8th podcast. Because I'm watching the Boston Celtics' season slip away. Uh, They are down 25 points in the fourth quarter of Game 5. They are four minutes away from being eliminated from the playoffs. We're going to bring in our buddy Marky Sal from Marky Sal Wall Decor just to get kind of a moratorium and requiem for the Celtics' 2018-19 season, which started with a ton of optimism, never really got off track, or on track, excuse me, really fizzled around the All-Star break, had a brief resurgence, and then in this series against the Bucks, not only have any of their chemistry issues and potentially their personnel issues come to light, but also the Bucks have just proved how much of a, of a strong team they have become in the East. Thinking back to last year, the Celtics beat the Bucks um, in seven games, and this year it's not even close. I mean, it's just not even close. Anyway, theme song coming up, Filibuster Freestyle, Marky Sal on the other side of the theme song. Filibuster, Filibuster Freestyle, Filibuster, Filibuster. Watch out for the Filibuster. Filibuster. Filibuster Freestyle. Filibuster Freestyle. It's the Filibuster Freestyle. Filibuster Freestyle. Oh, ladies and gents, as promised, Marky Sal of Marky Sal Wall Decor. Joins us from Worcester, Mass. What's up, brother? Hey, how you doing, Gav? Man, I'm doing all right. Uh, this is an emergency podcast, as I've told the listeners, because the Celtics, win or lose, we were going to do a pod tonight, and the Celtics decided to just go ahead and lose that game and end their season. So this is a Celtics 2018-19 moratorium uh, dream-crushing moment. So uh, I wanted to have you on, not because not you're a dream-crushing kind of guy, but because you know Celtics basketball as good as anybody. So, uh, what are we thinking about this five-game exit? <clears throat> to, to be honest with you, before you you sent me that that um, message about maybe doing a, a podcast tonight, I, I I was thinking about not even watching the game. And huh. for for anybody that knows me knows that I, you know I'm a Celtics fan. You know what I mean? Like I I definitely am into it. But the the, the last game before tonight. Um, they, they just played with, you know, so little energy and, or enthusiasm. You could even hear the garden booing them. And it, so it was kind of, like, embarrassing. It was hard to watch. So I, I, I was thinking about not even watching this game. And as it stands, I still didn't watch half of it. So Yeah, I came in a little bit late, missed the first quarter, apparently didn't miss much, and it didn't get any better from there. So um, you mentioned the booing part at home in the last home game, and that makes a little bit of sense from the effort standpoint and kind of the expectations of the season um, were incredibly high and the result obviously not what anybody thought throughout. Um, what's the what's the vibe up there right now on Kyrie Irving in general? It sounds like everybody's officially kind of just turned on him and is ready to turn the page. Is that fair to assume or – I think I think that's very fair, and and I think that uh, I think that it's just a matter of you know he he made some comments about about um, you know we'll see what happens in July after he had guaranteed at the beginning of the season that he wanted to stay right 
and so and so from a from a fan's perspective, you just see like, okay, this guy who should be the leader of the team, who if you're the leader, you do have the ability to change that culture, and you just decide that you know halfway through the season that you're not that's just not what what you really want to do. And I do think that they turn things around a little bit yep. after that, but um, you know, so I think I think that Boston fans are just kind of like. You you know you just kind of he let him he let him down and and he didn't he didn't come with his A game especially in leadership category so it's not even worth trying to have him back. Yeah. So he, do you now I, I think everybody's ready for him to be gone. Is there any question in your mind that he will be gone? Uh, you know, I, I guess you could never know what's going on in his head officially, or you know what anything could happen. I guess you could say, but uh, I, you know, I would say that um, I, I'd say ninety nine percent you've got. Yeah, I think so too. Imagine this though: like last year, you and I were doing this same exact podcast, and we were doing the last few games of the Celtics run through the Eastern Conference Finals. They obviously lost in seven to LeBron's Cavs, but. I mean, how? Just thinking about how bullish everybody, including ourselves, was both in that moment and then also all summer long, thinking about how do you add Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving to a team that was within a couple shots of the NBA Finals and get worse? <laughs> and you know, the basketball gods gave us our answer, which is you just go ahead and do it <laughs> and screw right. up the chemistry. Yeah. So, like, you know, any like, I want to get into Gordon, Gordon Hayward in a second, but just in general, like, how, how shocked are you that? I'm not shocked anymore that it ended this way because obviously, you know, they didn't play very well all season in terms of, in terms of what we expected at the beginning. But the the Pacers series gave me a little bit of false hope when they swept them that maybe they could give the Bucks a series and then they went and won the first game against the Bucks in Milwaukee. Same deal. Kind of was like a little bit of false hope. But, I mean, you know, what are your thoughts on just how far it's fallen in a year? Yeah, I just I just think that like um, I I had that false hope as well. You know, because I, I, you know you hear going into the, into the playoffs a team like this, they're probably the type of team that can like turn it on. So all the losses in the regular season may not matter. And then, like you said, the false hope against the against the Pacers, who everybody knew that they were going to win, beat them, but they just didn't think they were going to sweep them. Right. So right. the fact that they swept them and then they beat the Bucks in the first first game is everybody you know and I, I was swept along with that saying hey you know what maybe this team has turned it around you know maybe maybe that's something that I was hoping for and you know maybe they're doing it um and then wow did they just explode after that you know they just uh so yeah it's uh, it, it's just it's hard to believe yeah for sure I'm left scratching my head by a few things but you know with, with Gordon Hayward I kind of feel like that kind of injury he had is definitely like a two-year injury in some ways. And I feel like he showed us glimpses, and I'm hoping he'll become the player he was in Utah more consistently next season and beyond. I mean, you got you. do you have feelings that he can do that? Did he show you enough of improvement, or do you think – I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be, be a bit, bit, bit better of a player next year, but I guess there's no proof till he does it. I'd say I'd say looking at the season as of right now, and uh, you know the different storylines that you could say went along with the season, and you could say maybe the fall of Kyrie Irving. I think that this for he was the one you know uh, silver lining in the season, and that by the end of the year you say, oh yeah, well that's uh, now I remember why why everybody thought this guy was so special. 
So I think to being that that um, player, and I and I certainly think that he, you know, he's got that seems to have that competitive fire, and he also plays under control. So I think Gordon Hayward will be back. I think he he came on at the end of the season this season, so I was happy about that. Yeah, that feels pretty good. Now another guy who. You know, had a tough year, not due to injury, but I think due to like role shifting and things like that. But you know, about a year ago, everybody's talking about Jason Tatum as you know a potential Hall of Famer, <laughs> um, and he just didn't make much of a leap this year at all. Some would argue he regressed. What are your thoughts on him bouncing back next season? Um, I I think that he can bounce back. I think that he's you know very highly skilled, obviously athletic. He, you know, he's still young. Yeah. Um, I think that his his growth this season was stunted because of um, you know that the whole problem with the rotation with you know Kyrie Irving who wasn't in the playoffs last year and that's where Tatum really got his time to shine. Yeah. Um, and then you add Gordon Hayward into the mix and you know there just wasn't enough minutes to go around. Um, or even you know I think sometimes you you need you need to be needed, right? So you need to be that guy that that gets the ball and say, okay, we need some offense. It needs to come from you. And with Kyrie on the Kyrie on the floor, Jason Tatum never had to be that guy. So, yeah. um, you know, that may be something that that come that would be good for next season. But I do agree with you that he he regressed this season. But the flip side of that was uh, Jalen Brown. I thought he by the end of this season he really established himself out as the better of the two of them. And uh, yeah, you know, for the moment, for surprising, sure. but yeah. I, I think that he did. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it just was so funny, though, to just remember back to last year's team and how like exciting they were, you know. And then watching the last four nights of, of Celtics games and just no excitement at all. Um, you know, again, a lot of it's chemistry. A lot of it's you know what kind of player is got to be the man or has to get theirs or whatever. So, um, you know, one guy who's been solid throughout. And, you know, I don't think anybody puts any blame on him at all. Al Horford, um, he has the ability to opt out of his contract. What, what are you thinking on that? Is he coming back? Is he signing an extension? Is he going to play it out and then test the waters? I mean, is he going to just renege the contract here because he has the option and then test the waters now? You, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I haven't put too much thought into it, and it's kind of, you know, he's not as flashy of a player as Kyrie Irving, and, and so he's also, you know, getting getting up there in years, although I do think that he's definitely has another, you know, at least two years of, like, really solid uh, contribution. Um, so I think all those things kind of have to go into the equation, and, and if you're him, you know, I, I don't blame, blame him if he you know, does go to a team where he's in a better position to to get a ring next year. So um, so for, for Al, it's like he's one of those players where um, I, I hope that we keep him. If we don't, I respect the decision yeah. um, because I just think that, you know, he's, he just comes off as like a solid guy. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm hoping he comes back because I think then you have – I mean, you're going to pick up some max contract space with Kyrie being gone. So – you know, yeah, if you lose Al as well, you know, do you pick up basically two max deals? Yes, but, you know, in some ways you kind of have, have to have a, a, another anchor there so a guy will maybe come in and say, okay, well, Hayward will be better and Tatum should be better and Brown's good and Rozier's solid. You know, I, you know, I, the free agent market, 
I haven't done my homework yet on what exactly it's going to be like and what everybody else looks like in terms of opt-outs, etc. But, you know, in some ways you hope he signs or at least extends extends the year, you know, takes the fourth year of his contract instead of opting out because uh, the Celtics do retain his rights. But, man, who knows? Um, so a couple of questions about the league then. Like, so you got – well, first of all, let's talk about Giannis. I mean, where is Giannis for you now in the league as like a, a ranked player? Oh man, he's he's num- number one. You think uh, so? Yeah. Well, here's the difference between Giannis and some of the other people that you could say maybe would would be you know number one players are a lot of those players and a lot of the game has moved behind the three point line. So these are three point shooters or yeah. predominantly play that kind that way. Um, and so, and so, just percentage-wise, you know, uh, if you get into the paint, that's a much higher percentage of a shot. And Giannis does a lot of his damage there. Um, so I think that it, it he's he he brought the he he brought that kind of back to basketball, and, yeah. and I think that he's dominant in it. And he's re- it's it's scary. It's like it, when you watch him, I feel like he's almost more like a, a more dominant scorer. Than LeBron James, and that it, it, it seems like it seems easier for him. Yeah. He seems like a man amongst boys. He kind of like what you might have thought, um, you know, Wilt Chamberlain was like when he was scoring a hundred points. You can't imagine, you know, it must have looked like he was playing against boys. And right. I feel like playing sometimes that's how Giannis <laughs> looks. It's crazy. Yeah, I will say in the open floor, whether it's him with the ball, him catching the ball. One defender there, no defenders there, four defenders there. Like, he just finds a way to finish at the rim uh, all day. He rebounds well, passes pretty well, blocks shots great, runs the floor amazingly. I've heard a lot of people, you know, make the the comparison that he's kind of like Shaq and Shaq's prime. Different player in terms of, like, Shaq was more power than speed, but... Giannis is like, like you said about the Will Chamberlain thing. It's like he's another level of athlete at the size he's at. And most of the guys who've had his type of speed at his size have been more of a European style player, more of a slasher, face up guy. And Giannis is definitely face up, but he's not a three, a three guy at all, really. He's literally kind of like Shaq if Shaq was on like rocket fuel. No, that that's absolutely right. I was thinking about it, and then. Uh, you know, a lot of times in the league, you'll see the guys who are the, like the super athletic guys aren't necessarily always, you know, the best player on the team. A lot Correct. of times they're the, you know, they're the best shot blocker or they get a lot of dunks or, you know, whatever, but they're not necessarily the best player. Right. Um, and, and he's got that combination of not only is he, you know, at, athletically is he super gifted, but he's also, you know, has a, has a really nice touch and uh, plays with finesse. And power, yeah. And it's so it's. I, I honestly think that he's not. There hasn't really been anything that's really like him in the time that I remember. Now, you know, sixties and seventies, there might have been a player who who had like similar skills to him, but I certainly don't think that they were as dominant as he was, at least in the the end of this or this season. You would say, yeah, yeah, for sure. And if you think of other guys who are at the top, I mean, obviously, we'll see if LeBron can bounce back or not. But regardless. Um, he doesn't get shots this easy anymore. Um, Durant, for as great as Durant is, and he is great, is having an unbelievable playoffs. Durant doesn't get shots 
like this inside um, at all. Um, yeah, I can't think of anybody with even close to that kind of size and athleticism who does what Giannis does. So, yeah, and also I think that because there are so many other guys out there who still are 3 and D guys, um, you know, you can put Giannis with pretty much any four dudes and you've got a shot to win the game. I think he's yes. like so interchangeable. It's like, well, we'll take Giannis and whatever else we've got, we, they can figure it out because you, no one's going to do what Giannis does, and Giannis is going to clearly either feast or like command double or triple teams. And then you got to hit your threes, but that's what guys are in the league to do and get paid for. So I tend to agree with you. I think he's definitely – and the craziest thing is is that if he's not the best player right now, and it's arguably that he is – He's probably going to get another level or two because he's still super young and he doesn't have some of those things that are part of like the modern superstars game, which if he decides to work on, I mean, holy crap. Yeah, I mean, let's just let's just hope that he likes California. You know what I mean? Let's hope that he's like uh, he's like I'm sick of Milwaukee. You know, when his contract. Yeah, up, let's get him a, out of the cause, east. Because if, sure. if not, he's going to terrorize the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's almost like Le- LeBron saw coming and was like, I got to get to the West, even if the West is harder. <laughs> even if the West is harder, I can't beat this guy. You know, <laughs> I, I that that's a very good point because it's wow, man, he, he's he's scary. No doubt, he's scary. I, you know, I was thinking Embiid was going to be that player. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it certain—it seems like it's Giannis. Well, yeah, I just think Embiid is still very um, fragile, frankly. You know, like he, he, he gets hurt sometimes. He gets ailments. He gets winded. You know, I just think Giannis is the finished product in terms of being fit. And, I mean, I, I actually – well, let me ask you this. I wasn't planning on asking this question, but it just kind of brings it up. Who would you rather see Giannis go toe-to-toe with in the next round? Would you rather see him duel with Embiid – and a little bit of Ben Simmons, who are both kind of freak athletes. Well, you rather see him against Kawhi, because right now Kawhi is essentially doing a very similar thing as Giannis, which is one really great player is putting a bunch of other really decent role players on his back. Um, and I just think Kawhi's playing great, but obviously Embiid's a fun matchup. And who would you rather see? Or I mean, what do you think? I, I, I think I'd rather see. Um I think I'd rather see if you're talking about the, the matchup of one guy against one guy. I'd say it definitely has to be Kawhi Leonard. Yes. Um, I think that maybe Philadelphia might be a little bit more of an exciting team to watch. Um, but but to to be completely honest with you, I haven't watched a ton of Raptors games, you know, other than highlights. So, but um, but I'd like to I'd like to see the one on one matchup of of. Um, him versus Kawhi, I think that would be a good matchup. It's really an interesting matchup for Kawhi because for folks who remember back, I think, in the 2014 finals, Kawhi, as a very young player, was matched up on LeBron. And, you know, I think Kawhi got MVP in the series for basically not getting killed too badly by LeBron on defense because LeBron was just, you know, at his apex and uh, Kawhi was kind of coming out of nowhere. But this would be an interesting assignment for Kawhi because Kawhi will definitely be the guy they look to to hopefully match up with Giannis a good amount. Siakam as well. But I think it's a really interesting audition for Kawhi because you know he's going to try to get crazy money next year and get to a big market team potentially. So um, I think it would be a fascinating matchup. I actually think Giannis is going to eat and beat lunch uh, if they play in a seven-game series or a four-game series because I just think Giannis is everything Embiid has, but he's faster and in better shape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I 
yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And I, and I think that there's also something about, like, people who are, um, you know, they just have, like, that winning instinct, you know? Like, they're, they're just winners. Yeah. And um, I think I think that, you know, um, Giannis is just proving that he's a winner right now, so. For sure. So speaking of that, how far can the Bucks go? Can they win this whole thing? Can they beat the Western Conference champions? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that they can. I, first of all, I, I think that you know you see you see some some problems in the, in the West. You know, with the Warriors now, that's not this. I think that the Warriors are talent wise, they're on another level. So they they can pull it together and, and sweep the remainder of, of their games. Yeah. Nobody would be surprised. But the, at the same time, you know, there is human nature and things do happen. And, and I think that um, if there is, if they're not playing at their top basketball performance level, I think that Giannis and the supporting cast, you know, who can certainly, you know, knock down some threes, they can, uh, they could, they could, they could beat them. I think so. It'd be exciting. You know what? What I do think is interesting is we've known this since the beginning of the playoffs because obviously the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. But you know, we're not going to see the Warriors play the Cavaliers this year. We're not going to see LeBron in the finals. You know, we're definitely on the Eastern side. We're going to have some type of compelling young superstar or young team to see how they do because you know the Bucks are in uncharted territory. The Raptors will be, and or the Sixers will be, in uncharted territory lately if any of those teams make it to the finals. So I'm excited to see that. You know what I mean? I'm excited yep. to see a little bit of passing of the torch. I was hoping it would be the Celts, um, and you never know what will happen next year. But of the three teams remaining in the East, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how any of those three teams kind of start their legacy in the finals because one of them is going to get the chance to do so. Um, on the Western side, you know, right now, I don't know if you're watching it, but I'm watching a little bit of, uh, well, right now it's a Burger King commercial, but Warriors Rockets, and uh, I'm hungry for some Burger King, but uh, unofficial sponsor of the week. But anyway, what do you think about this Warriors Rockets series? It's, it's game five, it's in, it's in San Francisco, it's in Oakland actually, Golden State, two to two, best two out of three to see who goes to the finals, Eastern, the Western finals. Can the Warriors hold off the Rockets? What are you seeing in this one? I think I think that the Warriors can and probably will um, beat the Rockets in the series, um, and I, I think it just has to do with you know like they're they're just very experienced. You know they're they're playing an extra four or five games, you know, than the Rockets every single year, yeah. like on that highest level. And and I think you you know you learn things, and so I I, I would have to give them the advantage there. You know the flip side of it is, although I'm giving them the the advantage, I, 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 you know, wouldn't be crazy to see the the Rockets come out, you know, on top, especially if, uh, you know, James Harden is playing on that, that crazy level that he's been playing at. They they could come out with the win as well, but I, but I do, I, if I was, you know, had to bet on it, I'd say the Warriors. Gotcha. And you think the Warriors are coming out of the West, or do you think? Then maybe the Nuggets or potentially the Blazers, if they can pull off two in a row, could give them. Tr- I, mean, I think they'll give them trouble. But do you think either one of those two teams can knock the knock the Warriors out or no? No, I, I think I think that the uh, the Western Conference Final is, is being played We're right now. now. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That's fair. I think that's fair. Um, interesting teams, though. Again, I mean the Nuggets as a two seed. 
The Blazers as a three seed that actually is getting it done this year versus last year when they were getting their asses beat uh, by the Pelicans. You know, interesting to see kind of the tide. The tide has really turned differently from last year at this time as opposed to this year at this time. I mean, really the only constants are the Warriors and I guess the Rockets. And it's almost like we're having the Western Finals like series early. But it, it does kind of seem like the winner of this has the front the front row seat to potentially winning the whole thing. Um, going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I, and I do think that um, kind of to your point is that I, I think that you know there's there's been a good amount of change in the league, and I think that the league has really improved. Yeah, um, for you know sure. I think that you know there there are players on on the, the Blazers, the Nuggets, you know e- even even the Bucks right now who. You know, a year, two years ago, no one knew who they were, and I think that they're, you know, coming out and really playing good basketball. So it's just it goes to show you that sometimes, you know, you 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 think of these teams who are who are you know stocked stacked with the superstars, and you know maybe they have all the talent in the league, but they it really isn't true. You know, there is a lot of talent in the NBA. So yeah, for sure. And the other thing is, you know. When you know you collect talent that's four or five years old, if you will, you know one there's chemistry, there's wear and tear, but two it just does it creates a vacuum for other teams to get more picks, and then so like guys start coming into their own like a Giannis or whomever, and all of a sudden you've got you know you've got a nice little lineup in in Denver or in Portland or in Philadelphia is kind of a master, very interesting team as well. I mean. I think Philly is really flawed, but I also think they have the most talent potentially of young guys. So they could put it all together. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Sure. So speaking of the other the other playoffs going on, you're watching Game of Thrones, is correct? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know what? We um, the first couple, of, you know, with with the new baby, yep. it hasn't been always you know super easy to get you know full night's sleep or whatever. She's been doing better lately. But the point is, is we we always struggle with this idea of oh you know maybe we won't watch it on Sunday night and maybe we'll watch it Monday instead. And we just haven't been able to because you just too at this point it's such a big thing. You're just worried about spoilers every everywhere you look. You know, especially the past episode so i guess it's time for anybody to turn off the podcast if they haven't seen this last episode yes um but but the, the scene where 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 um aria came down with the knife at the end it's like that was all over twitter all over facebook everywhere the next day so you can't even take that that chance anymore it's right. a pop culture phenom yeah, you gotta you gotta literally be on it or just off your phone for the, until you see it. Uh, I've been trying to avoid. Uh, I don't care as much if someone spoils it for me, but like Avengers Endgame, I I don't have the three hours yet to go watch it in the theater. But like, I'd love to not know the ending. But Game of Thrones for sure. I gotta watch it that night. I gotta watch it right then. So what are you thinking? So you're all caught up on Game of Thrones. So like. You get any hot takes on how this thing's going to end, or any hot tech takes or thoughts on like what they've done so far? No, I guess I guess my biggest uh, hot take, and maybe like the biggest thing that's surprising as of where we are right now, is just the the turn that they had um, Daenerys take, yeah. where where she she kind of went all Trump on us, right? Like she's turning into like the authoritarian like leader. And uh, and so I, I found that kind of surprising, and, and maybe the turn was a little bit too a little quick for me as well. Yeah. Um, but 
but I, I think that's my biggest, you know, the biggest surprising thing that's been in the season for me so far. Yeah, the surprising thing about it, too, and I agree with you, the pacing, the last two seasons, they decided to do these short seasons, and then, then, then they decided to speed up the plots, and it's kind of like, why wouldn't you just give us the 10-episode seasons and, like, do the spacing and pacing the way we came accustomed? But anyway... So much yeah, for character I development. But I, so I get that some of the quickness is due to they're literally running out of runway. But that's on their, that's on themselves for doing it to themselves. But Danny, Daenerys' turn, regardless of being fast or slow, is fascinating because, like, my biggest question, and I posed this in the pod recently, but are they setting her up to have, like, an even playing field with Cersei and to look like she's a bad guy and or losing it or both? Because that's just what they're going to make her? Or are they setting her up for, like, one more Herculean climb, but, like, giving us, like, a little bit of, like, doubt at the end? Because, and I don't know what the answer is. And, like, but, like, I don't, I don't really care what they do, but I'm still very fascinated by, like, I still don't know what's going to happen to her with two weeks left. Yeah. It, it's kind yeah. of mind-boggling. I think, and, and you know what, I hadn't even thought about until you just posed the question that way. It, it, because because now what I'm thinking about is the whole, how quickly they they tried to make us think that there was going to be some, you know, some problems between Arya and Sansa last season. Right. And and they were trying to build that up like it was going to happen. And then, and then all of a sudden it was just squashed. And it was like, no, nope, you know, no, nope, everything's fine here. You know what I mean? And so maybe they're trying to give us like that kind of thing so that it's like when when something happens and then Sansa and and Daenerys you know they, they join forces and then that's everybody you know comes together and kumbaya maybe maybe that's what they're going for right now I don't know but I can tell you that there were some some fierce side eyes yes. from, from Arya and Sansa like I was like ooh you know it was bad <laughs> yeah they're like their lack See, here's the thing. They had a lack of appreciation for Daenerys being up at Winterfell before they thought, before they even met her, before they even thought maybe she's not a good leader, okay? And then it's almost like everybody was like, let's not appreciate the lady for bringing her dragons and her armies. And then the show is like, and is going to kill the Night King, so she's, quote, the real hero, and that's fair. I'm not trying to take anything away from Arya. But it's almost like, and then everybody's going to question Daenerys' worth, and then Daenerys is going to flip out about it, and then she's going to leave and lose another dragon, and then she's going to... And it's kind of like, yeah, it's either too heavy-handed for what the show used to be, or they just, they're, like, they're just out of time, and they just need to like crash the plane into the mountain. And I'm not... I'm not like, a lot of people are against this season. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they've got two more shows to make me think and make me realize... That what they were doing was smart all along, but True. they really yep. th- those girls were already turned on her before, like this past week, and then this past week, then she kind of like showed why they were turned on her, but that was kind of out of order. I th- I, I agree with that one hundred percent. Like I, she definitely showed some things where I'm like, yeah, you know, okay, questionable judgment, questionable. Whatever, but like, yeah, those ladies didn't know that. They weren't down at the loot train. They didn't see Sam Tarley's dad and brother get burnt, you know? So, right. so anyway, I'm just worried about their pacing a little. And I've been reading a couple articles about it this week. The fact that they just use Urine Greyjoy, the pirate, to like fix plot holes 
and make like, prop him up and prop up his worth is just kind of useless because like no one cares about him. Like he didn't earn it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think that, that that was definitely forced, especially like that connection between him and Sansa. And I do think that like, it, you know, it was great that he helped her escape and, and that kind of thing. But it, it also seems like, you know, he also did some really bad things to their family. Oh, and yeah, for Theon, yeah, for so, sure. So I get, you know, I, I think that that was a little bit forced. Like, like, you know, Daenerys didn't have to be saying goodbye to somebody, and then Sansa has to be saying goodbye to somebody. Like, it doesn't always have to be, you know, fair and even and divided equally, you know? Yeah, it doesn't. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I really just, my biggest hope is that this isn't just, like, muddling around to give us the outcome we think. I'm really hoping for one last good, like, ungodly double cross and or gut punch, you know? And I and I would say that's coming from Varys. Yes, of course. At least it's, like, they're set, certainly setting it up. Like, Varys, you're right. You're 100% right. Varys is... We all know he's the wild card, but we have no idea what that means, and I'm interested to see what that does. Because, man, he can go in any which way. He, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, 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 he, he's the wild card, uh, you know, and, and his friendship with Tyrion, certainly the two of them, you know, could could sway some, some you know, people's loyalties. So I, I, if there's a wild card, that's how it is. And I do agree with you. Like, if it just ends up being, like, a war, and you know, and Cersei dies, and Jon Snow becomes king, and it just kind of all goes down in that marching order. Then, you know, much ado about nothing. Right, and that's fine. But like, you know, whatever. You know, I, I also just yeah, I don't understand the whole. My here's the one last thing I want your take on. When Daenerys really lost, I think she lost everybody when she was like. No, John, don't tell anybody that you're my nephew. <laughs> She's obstructing justice. Right. And then let's pretend also that we are not in an incestuous relationship when we are, you know? Yeah, I, I, and, and I think that the, the writers had to know that that was going to be seen that way. Yes. And so, so, you know, they're blatantly trying to make her come off as, you know, the bad guy with the authoritarian tendencies and whatever. So, so I don't get, I, I really don't get it because up until, up until the past, you know, I would have said that it's pretty equal as who, you know, we're going to root for yes. to be, to rule it. That's not to say that that's how it's going to end up, but who, you know, most people would be rooting for would have been Daenerys and then John in second. And I think it was clearly in that episode then it's like, oh, well, we, you know, we got to have John at this point. Right. But the worst part for John about that, besides him not wanting it, is that means he's probably not going to get it. <laughs> you know, like, or it's just super simple now. And that just, so off-brand for what Game of Thrones was for, like, six and a half seasons, which is, like, the thing you think is going to happen doesn't happen. Even, even with the Stark girls last year when they killed Peter Baelish, like, we thought they were going to, like, fall apart, and then all of a sudden they slip Peter Baelish's throat, which was right. cool. But in this, particular, in this particular setup, I don't know what they're going to do. 
And speaking of like uh, like the show not staying true to form, like why do we still have so many Starks? You know, the first, you know every other season is just like kill a Stark, kill a Stark, kill a Stark. <laughs> and this this time, you know, right now we have we still have a lot of Starks. You know, so so I find that to to go away from how the how the rest of the show has gone. Yeah, and then they called last week's episode the last of the Starks, but. Yes, collectively they're the final Starks, but they not, none of them currently are the last Stark. Right. But was there any double meaning in that title? Like, are they all going to die next week? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's it's confusing, but yeah. maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll have a better understand. Well, we, we will. Hopefully, we do. Or they really failed, right? <laughs> all right, <laughs> for sure. No doubt, man. Well, listen, let's uh, let's. Uh, Let's keep an eye on these uh, NBA playoffs, for one. Uh, we're certainly going to keep an eye on Game of Thrones. And, um, you know, Bruins fever is probably hitting New England pretty hard right now. And so, you know, go Bees. Hopefully uh, they can make some hockey st- hockey things happen. Go Bees. Go Bees. But, but, you know, at the very end, you know, congrats to you and your beautiful wife on your beautiful little girl. I'm glad she's starting to sleep. And uh, big props from the freestyle. You know what I mean? For sure. Thanks for having me. No doubt, buddy. Talk to you in a minute.